Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space. Alexa Miller is joining us today. She is the founder of Arts Practica, which is, it's just one of those things. This is a consultancy where she guides medical students, residents, fellows, attendings, anyone that's interested on a, on a ride where we learn how to harvest the power of observation in the arts to liberate our own deductive abilities, our own abilities to make determinations and make decisions when we're at what she calls the edge of uncertainty. This was just, it's one of those conversations. This was such an interesting and fun and stimulating discussion with her. I absolutely loved it. And I think you will too. Before we get to the conversation, just want to invite everyone, please check out the website for Explore the Space, www.explorethespaceshow.com. You can find me on Twitter at ETS Show. You can email me anytime, mark at Explore the Space Show. And you can find Explore the Space on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Spotify, wherever you like to download your shows, you'll find Explore the Space there. And please be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. Really helps the show out. This is a really fun episode. I think you're going to really enjoy it. So without further ado, Alexa Miller. Alexa, welcome to Explore the Space. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. We've been circling each other since late 2018, so it's been almost six months. And when these episodes finally happen, it's it's very exciting. I've, I've been looking forward <laughs> to this for a while. I have been looking forward to it uh, so much as well. And I have to admit that... I've almost been like cringing because I think the last six months have been like my most Twitter negligent six months. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is going to help um, get you back into the fray. Yeah, there we go. All yeah. right. So my first question for you, can I read something to you, please? Certainly. Yes. All right. I'm going to read something to you. It's going to sound familiar. And I think this is going to help inform our discussion. It's going to frame things. And it's it's gotten me in the right mindset for this. Okay, cool. Alexa loves art. She loves how humans simply need to make it and do make it, knowing why or not. She loves how art persists and prevails over time, presenting big open questions, echoing the paradoxes of human nature, and eliciting core truths as well as endless meanings through the mouthpieces of humans everywhere. And she particularly loves how it is only through the perspectives of other human beings that art's meaning can be unlocked. It all begins with a choice to pause and look with a curious spirit. Oh, it all begins with the choice to pause and look with a curious spirit. What am I reading? <laughs> you know, I think that is just so nice. You're reading my bio from my website, and it's always nice to know that somebody reads it. <laughs> that last Thank sentence. You. So I like to prepare for the every episode, you know, I like to do my research and I like to keep note of the mindset that will, my research sort of puts me in. And sometimes I get really excited. Sometimes I get nervous. Sometimes I get irritated depending on who I'm interviewing, but not that's, that's pretty uncommon. <laughs> when I was doing my research and looking through your website and learning more about you, and I read that paragraph, it just put me into the most sort of relaxed and ready mindset. And I just love that feeling. 
That is such nice feedback to hear. I, I remember when I wrote that paragraph, I was, you know, you know how it is when you're writing your bio and you're writing yourself about in the third person. In the so third you person. already feel like sure. the most, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I, that just came out. Like, yeah. I was like, I'm going to put it in my bio that the most important thing people should know about me is like, I love art and here's why. Yep. The reasons yep. for it are, you know. Um, and, um, I just thought I'm, you know, I'm sitting here alone, feeling like a weirdo doing something weird and this feels right. And I'm just going to put it out there. So it's nice to hear that that spoke to you. I I absolutely loved it. And I want to use that as a way to step into the fusion of art and medicine, the fusion of art and Mm -hmm. diagnosis, the fusion of art and observation. And that last one I think is the most important because we don't, we don't have these conversations just so that the doctors that listen to this can get better at what they do. We do these conversations so that anyone from any background can pull something out, can find a lever Uh that they can pull on. And I think we can agree that art in whatever way you perceive it, create it, look at it. It's a universal part of the human experience. It is. And especially if it's great art, it really will just keep doing that over time. And certainly doctors need to stop and take a pause and and want to (laughs) stop and take a pause and approach something with a curious spirit. And, you know, the expectations of having our minds expanded that we, you know, bring to our experiences with art, that we can bring that to everything we encounter and everyone we encounter. And certainly patients want that of their, their, their caregivers to, to give that to them. Uh, But really everybody that's, that's, that's everybody's work, right? (laughs) Especially in this day and age to just take that pause and go, wait a minute, like, what is that? Yeah. I like that you put need and want right next to each other. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that probably informs why you gravitated yeah. towards this use of art and observation as a tool for physicians in particular to improve the work that they do at the bedside in a number of ways. That need and want and physicians being in that space, was that something that resonated with you early on in this work? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that resonated even before I officially got into this work, I was I was an artist and I was just making work um, as a painter about human resilience. And I was doing um, research on the human body, which led me into a medical image archive. And it was it was in that space that I kind of noticed that medical images like kind of communicated the images in a medical system uh, communicated in much more limited ways than images do have the potential to communicate just out in the world. And that that, um, that that sort of tapped a nerve for me that made me realize I cared a lot about medical learning and helping uh, physicians specifically, but really everybody, um, just look much more expansively at what they see. And then that was sort of a, a seed that was planted years before I you know, had this incredibly lucky break in my career when I collided with these um, physicians and students from Harvard Medical School who wanted to start an arts-based course that taught physical diagnosis. So yeah, I think that that's something that's been there probably my whole life. 
this is something I didn't tell you. I know people who've done your course. When I was a medical student in at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas, our uh-huh. chief resident graduated and he subsequently went on to Mass General. He's on faculty. He's been there and he has done your courses and he uses that sort of perspective to teach extremely popular sections at big hospital medicine meetings around the country. And so the ripple effect of what you do is is wide and I would suggest continuing to widen as you move through one generation of learners, right? One four-year class and then the next one and then the next one and then they become attendings and they're informing yeah. their students that way. That There must be a really interesting lineage that's starting to grow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, that's so great to hear. And like, you know, there every, that is just such a palpable reminder of like how interconnected we all are. And yeah, I mean, there's a lineage that started long before me and is way, way bigger than me involved in this work. But I think that um, when I, when I jumped into it, it was at a moment when it was relatively small. I mean, certainly the medical humanities have, you know, very deep roots and have like been around since the beginning of medicine. Um, but distinctly with, you know, this, this idea of, you know, taking medical students or taking students in the healthcare professions into the space of art museums specifically for a really unique kind of learning that very much has to do with look, you know, slowing down and paying attention to what we see and how intricately that connects with what we think and what we believe and the importance to expand that and break, you know, break our inferences away from the basic observations and facts of what we see, that that there's something very unique and powerful in that work. And when we, you know, in, I think it was 2002, 2003, when we were first starting the course at Harvard and starting to research it, there were, um, I think, like two or three other medical schools already doing this work. It, it began at Yale Medical School with the Center for uh, British Art and then I think Cornell Wheel also, their program was already going. And so there were a few other programs that we looked at. So there were maybe three or four. And then um, now it's something that's, I'd say almost every medical school has a collaboration with their local art museum, as well as, you know, schools of dental medicine, social work, uh, nursing, the list does not stop. It is only broadening. And so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of coming up on a 20 year mark and, in my career and the the change of it going from this like weird thing that nobody had heard of to basically everybody who knows somebody in medical school like had their time at the art museum when they had their mind blown and that's that's pretty exciting to have you know seen that that wave and been a part of that been a no, small a, part of that it's incredibly exciting and so i want to ask you to take that strategic view i want to ask you to go really high up and look back down Medicine, in some respects, changes very quickly, certainly with respect to therapeutics, with respect to technology, we move really fast. With respect to culture, we move at a glacial pace sometimes, and it can feel very, very frustrating. This is this was not a glacial pace. This was fast. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I agree with you that, that this has informed a lot of what we do. One of my observations being much more active on social media over the last six to seven months is just seeing how fast the interest in the medical humanities has grown. Even tonight, mm-hmm. there's a, a chat on Twitter, the medicine and humanities chat. It's super popular. Yeah. People are gravitating to these things. Why is it 
Mm. And what is it about this connection between art, observation, and medicine that is allowing it to grow so quickly and to move these big institutions, right? Medical schools and, and, and academic facilities, these are huge bureaucracies. They don't move fast normally. They're not all that agile. What is it about this that is making yeah. them want to be so agile? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, all right. So I think. Oh, I like that. This is serious. You had to settle into this one. Good. <laughs> I do. have to. Well, I, I think it, it's a few things. Okay. And I'm going to have to kind of think aloud as I go here. Too, oh, I love it. I, I'm I don't have a complete thought. But yeah, let's workshop this a little bit. So I think first <laughs> of all. First of all, medical schools know that they're hurting, right? And they know that there's there is a they're vulnerable and there's there are problems afoot. You have you have students and you know in the profession certainly, you know, suffering from severe depression, taking their own lives, burn, you know, burning out, loss of empathy, and they know they know that there there is something there. There's an aspect of learning that it is, in some parts, extremely academic and and extremely important to the intellectual and the analytical skills of decision making and having good judgment that um, can't be learned in a classroom is an experiential uh, intervention in and of itself. And so I think that the humanities... um, there's a there's like an openness, you know, to new ways of doing things. And there's actually been some promising research. I mean, there, there was our the Harvard study uh, that our group came out with in, in 2008. And there have been some other there's actually been some studies around this showing, OK, well, you know, this might be unusual, but there's some there's actually some research here that that says this might be a promising approach, you know, that the people going through these interventions, they're actually making more observations on clinical pictures and there are uh, shifts in the language and the way they are describing their patients and, and what they see. And there's shifts in attitudes towards interprofessional teamwork and there's shifts in tolerance of ambiguity. So, um, so I think it's, they, they know there's a problem. There's enough of sort of a promising literature to say, Let's, you know, bring in this other perspective that is obviously about the core of the human experience, which is at the end of the day, uh, both the application of the um, intelligence is learned in medical school. You know, we're talking about caring for human beings um, and the care providers themselves being better human beings. I mean, that's the, the humanities do. So. Um, and then these are also, you know, art museums are um, very widely available resources in the communities for lifelong learning for just this kind of thing. And so there's actually more art museums in America than there are McDonald's. Whoa, <laughs> um, and I so, did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and museums are often extreme. They're often staffed with really smart educators who whose job it is to, you know, have partnerships with, you know, schools and universities in the community and actually be a resource. So I think that this work sort of tapped into this incredible resource that's right here. And there's been like an eagerness to experiment there. So I, I think that's a big part of it. That really informs two things for me, and that makes a lot of sense. Number one, what you described basically is 
a recapitulation of what's in every medical school, every hospital, every physician's you know mission statement or credo. And then secondarily, you're using a resource that's already there. That's just mm-hmm. smart. That's just practical. Yeah. <laughs> that's just intelligent. Yeah. Like, we can do this. And oh, by the way, it requires virtually zero investment because it's right down the road. Right. And everyone right. can go there and it's fun and it's lively and it builds community and all of these great things. So who's going to ever say no to that? And I mm-hmm. think that 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 lends a really good infrastructure. But there's got to be – I, I want to now kind of walk with you through a museum virtually because I think that there's mm-hmm. – this don't this – you're going to get like one shot at it and it's going to be, how was this students? Did this, was this resonant or good? Hey, how was this, you know, physician teammates that went on this trip with Alexa? And they're going to say it was meh. They're going to say, let's not do that again. That wasn't a good use of time because no one wants their time wasted. (laughs) That's not what's happening. It's this, this needs to be mandatory. This needs to spread. I'm going to take this somewhere. What happens when we walk through an experience with you? Okay, and who are you? Are you a medical student? I am me. I am Mark Shapiro. I'm 43 years old. I'm a practicing hospitalist. I'm I'm in medical leadership, and I host a podcast. I have not done one of these adventures with you, and I want to change that. But walk us through what happens for me, and then you know, walking next to me is a is a medical student, a second year medical student who's getting ready to start their clinical rotations. You know, they're 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 ready to roll. They're aspirational. They're fired up, but they also know that medicine has its troubles and its tribulations, just like any other profession. And the mm-hmm. three of us are going to go for a walk. First of all, it would it, it should just I would say that you know my objectives are usually pretty different if I'm working with a, a medical student okay. or um, you know who's at the beginning of their path and they have expectations about what medicine is going to be like that. Uh, you know, are very much shaped by their schooling and the performance of their smartness on a test. And they might believe that a diagnosis is a right answer that you get to really quickly. Um, And that, and so my objectives with them would be very different from say a medical faculty person who's been in the trenches a long time is maybe burned out is wanting to get back to their core purpose uh, for why they came into medicine and is struggling with how to help their learners like be better in uncertainty versus somebody who is, um, you know, running a practice and a a physician leader thinking about how to, um, you know, how to lead an an organization and cultivate practices where everybody feels safe sharing knowledge and what they see. So do you do an um, inventory before you start? Like, do you find, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you would know, okay, Mark Shapiro, you know, (laughs) non-teaching attending medical leadership, I would describe myself in my current state as not feeling burned out, as actually feeling very enthusiastic about medicine. So I would be entering into this really with just, hey, growth mindset mm-hmm. times 100. But there might be other people that would have a different experience. And so you yeah. try to harvest that before we even go into into this inter- interaction. Yeah. Uh-huh. So usually, you know, anytime – and this might be – like I'm, I'm kind of a nut about like my workshop experiences being really designed for – the particular audiences and where oh. they want to go. So, so but you're, I think, so let's just recognize that. And then, yeah. but we'll just talk sort of generally about the museum experience though, and not get into that too much. For um, sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is you walk into the space of the museum itself. Right. And so you're not in a classroom, you're not in the clinic. It's totally you different. Don't, we just know something totally is very different. Yeah. Different. Yep. It's a different space. 
the expectations are different, the rules are different, the hierarchy, uh, the hierarchy arranged around medical knowledge are irrelevant. We could spend the next 20 minutes just dissecting what you just said and we could stop right there. There was a really interesting conference where they did a really cool segment on medical humanities and to do it, they went to, it was actually the American College of Physicians annual meeting and they went to an art museum to do a section on medicine and the humanities and I was looking at the pictures on Twitter and, and I was, you know, having that experience of, gosh, I really wish I was there. But just looking at the space they were in, right? They're not in a lecture hall. They're yeah. not in a conference room. They're in this beautiful, well-appointed room. It's just a different – everything about it was different. There's a – it's relaxing and yet more serious at the same time. It's, it's hard to put a finger on, but I'm so glad that we get to start the experience with you the minute we walk in the door because I think that's part of what a wonderful museum can do is you just know you're somewhere else. I have to tell you, I'm just sitting here smiling because – I, so I'm not sure which meeting uh, you're referring to, but um, the ACP hired me for the 2015 and 2016 meetings to, to organize museum workshops at oh the Boston God. Museum of Fine Arts and no the, the National Gallery in DC. So that was, that was really exciting <laughs> so for cool. me because, yeah, because it was the first time, you know, I'm, I'm an independent consultant, right? So I work with a lot of art museums and a lot of different healthcare organizations, and I'm not tied to any particular one. And so I'm in a, you know, my consultancy, Arts Practica, is in a really unique position where, you know, this opportunity came up, and I just thought, wow, like, this, this is a really exciting opportunity to actually may bring medical learners into the space of art museums in the like great American cities where they are going for their national meetings as part of their medical meeting experience. And um, so that was something I was super excited about. And I was really honored that they asked me to organize that. And, um, and it just like makes me so happy to hear you have you know, have seen the pictures on Twitter. And, uh, you know, I think there are, there certainly have been more meetings since where this is, this is happening now. Like people say like, yes, actually, this really makes a lot of sense. Of course we should go to these incredible museums as part of learning about medicine. Because it also changes the whole dynamic of the conference, right? It's something else to look forward to. It's totally dynamic and different. One of the fun things about these interviews, right? We get to be mentally agile. So we're going to pivot. We walked into the museum with you and we're going to leave it right there because okay. we're not going to do the whole experience now. Yeah. yeah people yeah. need to seek you out because we'll step on it. And I don't want to do that. When I interview people about their books, I don't dive into the book because I don't want to step on it. I haven't done <laughs> one of these with you yet. So I don't want to ruin it for myself. We've entered the museum. Okay. I'm excited. This sounds it's going to be great and we'll figure out how to make it happen. But this idea of applying this to any place where your learners congregate, I think is just really intelligent. Mm -hmm. But then that begs the question, right? You're doing this for medicine. I get the sense that you are a person with aspiration. You, you, you're looking elsewhere. You're looking outward. You're thinking dynamically. What what other organizations or industries Mm -hmm. are you looking to connect with next? Yeah, that's such a great question. Well, um, I'd say for now I'm, I'm pretty committed to healthcare because I, 
I love it. Yeah. I, and I think it's, it's in an, inc- our, our society generally is in a quite a moment and medicine's particular role in society is really important. And just a place I, I, there's such great work being done in improving it. And I really enjoy like being a part of that. And I, I, I think that the work itself, the, the looking with uncertainty work that I've been developing has gotten to a place where I think my, my top priority is giving that a real home and sort of doing due diligence to that work. So that that's kind of the, the top priority. But I think that in general, certainly there are a lot of spaces in society. It, it, it's really, I think it comes down to metacognition um, and confidence. And there's a part of it that is about being a really smart person, a person who has invested a whole lot in knowledge and the, the position uh, that of holding authority as a very, very knowledgeable person and a person who is holding power within an organization that is organized around knowledge and being really great there and being really strong there. And as part of that, being able to acknowledge the limits of knowledge and being able to say, I don't know, and to be able to be authentic and like invitational to other perspectives on the edge of the unknown. And that, so that's really important in healthcare. And I actually do see that getting better in healthcare. And that's really exciting. I still, I think there's still quite a lot of work to be done. And in healthcare, it's an interesting case study because, you know, this comes down to like very nuanced interactions interpersonally in the clinic that might be very subjective one-on-one, but over the course of populations really add up to disparities or major population health issues like medical misdiagnosis that we can actually track and see. So like medical misdiagnosis is the third leading cause of death in this country. So like that's a population health crisis. If our healthcare system that does so phenomenally well uh, and is has the potential to do so phenomenally well is also actually a major leading cause of death in this country and that everybody who is studying that is concerned about the, the season need for improvement for people who are holding the, the medical knowledge to do better um, in uncertainty and with what they don't know. So, so that's important. I want to keep working on that. And it's an interesting and very visible uh, case study for why this matters. But I think really this, you know, this extends to absolutely anybody sort of in the business of developing their knowledge and, um, you know, needing to be their best and most forthright and courageous and critically thinking and observant and open, uh, authentic self with other people and with regards to the knowledge they hold in spaces of uncertainty. And, you know, I think that 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 goes across industries. And there are certainly lots of many different kinds of industry situations where, that applies and where this the stakes of doing that well are very high. 
when you made your statement a moment ago about doing this work at the edge of the unknown, I uh-huh. sat bolt upright. I love that <laughs> because that is so much of what we do. And yeah. I think that oh, that yeah. is, it's exciting to be out there. It can be scary to be out there. And I think it's important to note that you also put your money where your mouth is because you are not only helping us improve by doing this work, use leveraging art and leveraging the experience of observing art, you are working with the Society of Improvement uh, for this, the Society for the Improvement of Diagnosis in Medicine. You told me before we started that you are a, a fellow, you're in the first class of fellows who are not physicians to be a part of this. And when you said that, it clicked for me. Last night, we were speaking about Twitter chats earlier, the Society for the Improvement of Diagnosis in Medicine hosts a monthly Twitter chat. And mm-hmm. it's the hashtag TeachDX. It's hosted by my friend, Andrew Olson, who is an extraordinary physician. I was participating in that Twitter chat. This is the same work. You're, you are, you're, you're, you're putting yourself right in there with the rest of us. That must be an interesting yeah. experience. It's, yeah, it's great. And I have learned so much from the, um, the scholars and the voices and the, you know, the researchers and the patients and the thoughtful teachers, you know, who've gravitated around that community. I mean, I, I started following the work of Mark Graber and, um, you know, Gupreet Dhaliwal and Bob Trowbridge and all these, and Gordy Schiff and all these people who've been involved in the Society for the Improvement of Diagnosis in Medicine years ago. And I've kind of, um, you know, as I've, been a teacher of medical learners in an art setting, I've just been working as hard as I can to educate myself around these issues and what great diagnosis looks like and really takes. And it's the voices out of that community that uh, from which I've, I've really learned the most. And I have found them to be a particularly courageous community in that like they're one of a few in healthcare that's actually really openly talking about failure and how to do better and how to first of all, talk about it and share learnings and, and, and stay resilient and stay really, you know, forward looking. And so that's been really inspiring to me. And they've also, you know, been the ones saying like medicine needs to learn from other industries. We, it's, of course, we have to listen to doctors and nurses and everybody, you know, shaping this space, but we also have to learn from aviation. We also have to learn from nuclear power, other or other industries where safety, where they're actually getting safety right and from the army. So they've been particularly open to new perspectives and which has meant for me, you know, as an artist and artist educator, they've been really open to me. And so, you know, I've kind of often felt like, just like a total outsider and, you know, kind of somebody doing something weird, but it's like important to me. And I've been following a passion and a a few lines of thoughts um, connected to these incredible communities. And they have just been really open to me. And uh, so I was, I was really excited to, um, to receive the fellowship this year. And um, it's been, it's been a great experience. And as part of my fellowship project, I've been teaching uh, a new course at Brandeis University and, um, you know, it's called Looking with Uncertainty. And you just got to give their, their graduation address. 
I did. Yes. So that was it. So I taught it in the pre-healthcare program, which is one of the most popular majors at Brandeis and a really great, a really great group of students, really interesting group of students. We're going to do all kinds of things in society through the healthcare space. Um, But yes, they, um, so I pitched this, when I got the fellowship, I was like, okay, I need a fellowship project. (laughs) So I'm going to pitch my dream course to Brandeis. Yeah. And so I was so they took it, which was really um, exciting. And uh, yeah, and then they invited me to be the the commencement speaker for that program. That is so uh, amazing, which was really great. And I would suggest, too, that, as you mentioned a moment ago, I got the sense that you have some uncertainty about how you fit into this and how you're perceived in this. And I will just share with you that what you do is nothing but an accelerant. It is it is fuel to send to send us where we need to go, where we want this profession to go individually and collectively. So as you're working through that feeling of looking around and saying, you know, I, th- am I supposed to be in here? Am I not supposed to be in here? Mm-hmm. The answer is yes. And now, <laughs> and you're blazing that trail because more and more yeah. people are going to do it, and more and more people are going to realize the the size and the import of it. And this takes us to the next thing that you're doing, which for me is is like it's it's aspirational in terms of like opportunities to learn get better connect you are part of dot md and this mm-hmm. is this is a conference that takes place once a year it's in galway ireland and it's coming up this fall and i looked at the list of speakers again last night just to remind myself like this is bananas cool yeah what is your yeah. role in dot md right we we always talk about how it's hard to know who the premium speakers are and where they're going to speak and how do we find them? Well, we're telling everybody right now, if you're listening to this, Alexa's going to be a .md <laughs> and, and that's going to be part of that. That's going to be part of that wild ride. Well, .md is incredible. And I thank you for all this, the kind words that you say. And I do, you know, I, I do often feel like I'm kind of doing something weird and different here, but this is so right. Oh, you are. And like, there's you are always doing something been, weird and different. Oh, and we no, no, need I, it. I, yeah, I know. I know. And I also do get the feedback that so that, you know, people, people need it. And, you know, people are, these are people going into healthcare are just like the people who want to be keeping the species and, you know, providing care yeah. for human life. And they are um, up, they are, you know, interacting with some very deep unwellnesses in our society on a daily basis. And, I, they, I, I do hear from them and believe fully that they need this and they want this. And it's kind of this time of resilience when things are changing, but we have to sort of just keep walking through and, and pointing out what's needed. And so I'm, you know, I'm very glad to like play a small part of that. I, you know, sort of feel like I'm walking this path with these incredible people and doing, doing this improvement work. And it feels like very much the right place to be. And, and, but, you know, and I think, and Twitter has also been like a really important part of that because, you know, I started, I remember when I first got on Twitter I needed access to articles. You know, I was like an artist who had this cool gig, you know, teaching at a medical school at Harvard Medical School. And I wanted to learn all I could about diagnosis. And I needed, you know, a lot of what I wanted to read was like behind firewalls of universities and 
I eventually started adjuncting and that, so I got library access. But before that, it was in Twitter, like literally sitting alone in my apartment in Boston, you know, thinking about these issues and planning for my teaching and like wanting to just like talk to people about stuff I was reading or thinking about and putting it out there on Twitter. And then suddenly, boom, like, you know, Ronan, Ronan Kavanaugh, like yeah. organizer of .md, like sending me articles, yeah. like people yeah. actually engaging in the real deal conversation. And that shaped my knowledge so much. I've and had a similar was, experience was with Twitter really and actually with exciting. Ronan in particular too. He finds, <laughs> he finds people. He's like uh, Lawrence Fishburne in the matrix. He just comes and finds <laughs> you and says, here, take the yeah. red pill. And all of a yeah. sudden you're, you're involved in dot MD. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that's how I got involved in dot MD. Yeah. I think it was five years ago. Um, yeah. Ronan reached out on Twitter and <laughs> we had a little Skype call and he invited me to come to Dublin, which, and that, that was incredible. Yeah. And, um, that conference, you know, I go to a lot of meetings and a lot of conferences and that one just really moved me so deeply because there was such a concern with technology and the future of the space and very like forward looking, uh, conversations, uh, you know, about technology and where things are going mixed with like, our deepest, most ancestral roots and the humanities and sort of our core nature as humans. Ronan's like the whole, the whole team, Maris Houston and the, the team of people putting that meeting together. Um, Alan as well are, are just really, they, they are tapped into the essential, just the essentialness of, of having curiosity about life and as a human being. And they see how badly uh, the physicians around them just need to stay connected to that. And the whole meeting is just organized around that. And so, I, you know, I think I, I, I was involved as a speaker five years ago, and then just kind of staying in touch with those people as, as, you know, colleagues and just thinking about the meeting and the sort of the role it's playing right now. Um, that's been my involvement. So I was really happy when they invited me to come back again for this fall. I'm, I'm so excited. Everyone that I know that's participated in it says almost to a word, the same things that you just said. Really? Yeah. <laughs> the words like curiosity and fun yeah. and openness and enrichment. And, you know, this idea of diverse experiences, reconciling 21st mm -hmm. century medicine with where we've come from, but yeah. they, it all boils down to everyone saying, this is the best uh, conference on the planet, mandatory attendance, full stop. <laughs> Um, it's dot MD dot IE. Uh, uh, yeah. And this, for me, like I said, it's something aspirational because look, we have to be practical, right? It's not, I'm on the West coast of the United States. It's not a trivial thing, but it's, it's just from what everyone says, smart people who I know, like, and trust saying mandatory attendance. Well, all right, mm -hmm. let's see if we can make this happen. Great. Um, Great. I want to close by circling us back to someone that you and I both like a lot. And you mentioned earlier, Gurpreet Dhaliwal. He's one of the the titans of medicine right now. Yeah. He's, he's, he's been on this podcast before. He's an incredible person. He gave a talk yesterday and one of my friends mm -hmm. was live tweeting it, Renee DeVersdal at Oregon Health Sciences University. And she put up one of his quotes and I want to read you this quote. We're going to, we're going to bookend with me reading to you. <laughs> just because you've been doing something for a long time doesn't make you great at it. As soon as it gets easier, yeah. you have to reinvest that liberated energy into getting better. Uh -huh. And when I saw that yesterday, I was like, I need to ask Alexa about this. 
because <laughs> your focus right now, what it sounds like to me is around medical students and, and people starting the journey. I am in a place now where I've been doing this mm-hmm. for a little while. I can, mm-hmm. there are things where I am more efficient and there are things where I feel like I am in my prime and that does liberate some bandwidth. And so for mm-hmm. me, my reinvestment is in this kind of work. And so mm-hmm. one of the things I would like to reinvest in, and I would imagine there are a lot of physicians of my generation mm-hmm. that have a long career ahead of them still that want to mm-hmm. reinvest in doing exactly what you're doing. Why we go to things like .md, why we mm-hmm. look for artspractica.com, why we look for the work that you do. What does that feel like to you to hear people saying mm-hmm. their reinvestment is of, of liberated energy should be in connecting with you? Mm, wow. Um, that is, um, that's a whopper of a question. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not where I thought you were going to go with it because, you know, I I think about that message of Gurpreet's and I, I really resonate with, um, the idea that, you know, the whole idea that the 10,000 hour, you know, practicum of something doesn't by nature make you an expert, make you great. What makes you great at it is, is certainly the practice, but also getting the feedback, yeah. uh, which is uh, a big part of what he and a lot of the, you know, the people in medicine who are also studying the learning sciences are uh, advocating for. And I totally join them there. And that's that's a big part of uh, what I do as well. And that's important to my own process is actually getting feedback all the time on what I'm doing. And then in, in, as part of my work, helping people be better in the unknown is encouraging, you know, the solicitation of new perspectives and feedback. So I I thought we were going to talk about that, but what I'm hearing (laughs) in your question is, I can't, I can't make it predictable, right? I can't. No, it's fun. Yeah. We're certainty. (laughs) The good kind. That's right. (laughs) Um, You got to cherish it when it's the good kind. That's right. so yeah, but it, no, it's true. I, 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 I encounter a lot of interest from people who've kind of come through the weeds of the beginning of their career and their kids are finally out of early childhood and they've finally kind of gotten to a level where they have a little more free time and they want to like, remember who they are as a creative person and go next level, uh, in their work and push themselves. And that's a really cool place. I love I absolutely, um, you're actually putting a finger on like my my favorite, I think I'm probably most well known for my work with medical students, but actually more and more these days, I'm hardly working with medical students at all. I'm mostly working with medical faculty and leadership. Um, And I, I just, I love I love that spot. That's an incredible spot to be in. And um, it's a very humble. It's like both an energized spot and a very reality soaked spot. You know, there's no question (laughs) that uncertainty is everywhere. There's no question we're biased and we're imperfect. Yes. Okay. That's on the table. There's like a four in the tens place of how old you are, four or five. (laughs) Just like it all out because that's cool. And let's actually leverage that as a strength and go as far as we can. Um, And I, yeah, I think that's, that's some of the best stuff. And that's where some of the learning can really be extremely direct and effective and, and quick. Um, So, yeah, I think there's, there's, um, there's certainly a lot of that. And that's, 
that is great. I'm, I'm always really glad when people hit that stage and then what they want is humanities and the capacities and the skills around that. Um, that's, which is really just like being a, a whole person and that there's an acknowledgement that certainly that's extremely important for being like a happy person and having connections and, um, what emerges from that in the sort of space between people. And it's a hundred percent interconnected with being a smart person as well on this planet earth. I think it's wonderful that your mindset is one of, we can tailor this experience. We can craft this experience to meet the needs of whichever audience comes to it because I wanted to do this work with you before we started talking. And now it's tenfold because Right. Understanding that your instructor or your teacher is going to be open to what your approach is going to be and what you would like to get out of it. That just makes it even more exciting as opposed to feeling like you're getting shoehorned into something that exists for someone else. So mm. that is mm -hmm. that is appreciated. I will say that that is very yeah. appreciated. Well, I, I appreciate hearing that. And like, it's just, you know, that's not just like kumbaya speak. Like it actually <laughs> no. really is. No, not that's at all. Art, right? Like yeah. that's art. It's it's about us and it's for us and it pushes us That's and right. challenges us and it confirms us and it it reflects us and that that actually it, you know it's it's kind of sad how many people think they're supposed to know something about art or they're supposed to know something about art history or museums in order to kind of cross over that threshold and and interact with it um, and there's like you know a lot of misunderstandings about art I think that are problematic out there that kind of keep people away from it uh, but at the end of the day it's it's something for us to be with um, and to to be better humans along with so that's that's just that's really all it is yeah and you're gonna be really the like you're gonna be one of those guides that helps us do that that helps us cross that threshold so as people get interested in her and are motivated and stimulated by this how do they find you so i'm i will be i have been a negligent tweeter the last six months or so um i've noticed that I you're upping am, the voltage though. i am I'm up in it yeah it's it's and i love it i Good. will be back it's been a really crazy time in my life and i sort of just needed to like go lo-fi on social media, but, but Twitter is a great place. Uh, LinkedIn at my website is artspractica.com. And I also have a blog that I, if I'm lucky, I'll do like three times a year. <laughs> uh, so it won't clutter your inbox. Um, and, um, and uh, I've also been, so my, my most recent course is called looking with uncertainty. And it's really about how, People, you know, sort of as we've been talking about, people really uh, becoming knowledgeable can be better in uncertainty and how they can accept uncertainty, how they can look with it rather than react to it, but rather use it as a space to leverage their seeing and um, and talk about it and talk about uncertainty well with other people and trust uh, that other people want to talk about it and. So my my course has been about that, and um, if people want more information about that, they can go to artspractica.com slash looking with uncertainty. Yeah, I'm always really happy to hear from people. This is so exciting. I'm so pleased that Arts Practica and Explore the Space paths have crossed because 
This is just, I'm motivated and, and stimulated just from having this conversation and looking at your website and now knowing that there's, there's a long road ahead with lots of opportunities for intersection is just, it's so compelling. And I think everyone's going to listen to this and have that same feeling like, wow, there's going to be a lot of chances for me in the future to connect with arts practica, to reinvest my liberated energy into getting better through observation and art. And I think that that is the right work. So thank you so much for coming on the show to share all of this incredible information and enthusiasm with us. This has been very special. Well, thank you so much for having me, Mark. And I really, you know, I am also concerned about this gap between healthcare and the society that it serves. And I really appreciate what you've been doing with the podcast. It's been a big part of my own learning. So thank you. And I really look forward to seeing you in Ireland at .md. This has been fantastic. Thanks again. And yeah, hopefully we'll see you. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you in the UK, if not before. But again, this has been very, very wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com. 